Is it going to stick? I don't know. Me and this microphone have never really been good friends, you know, like it tolerates me, but... Um, okay, so of course I forgot an important thing to say, which is we have uh, connection cards. We have both a digital card you can find on your phone, www.springfieldvineyard.org forward slash today, or we have a paper version. If it's your first time with us or your second time with us, um, that's that. And we talked about the schedule and we talked about the chocolates. Okay, how about a sermon? Let's talk about Mother's Day. Okay, it's uh, Happy Mother's Day, everybody. So this can be a wonderful day. Um, and also this can be a really difficult day. So if you're feeling some of that difficulty, I, uh, I think that I have a word from God for us, um, which is, and this sounds kind of weird, but um, it's let's get into it. So I really like this phrase, let's get into it. Um, I found it very helpful at work actually. So I have a nine to five job where uh, I have a lot of communicating to do. So I'm, my official title, it's fancy, it's four words in my job title, which is senior business process specialist. There are no other business process specialists at the company where I work, but I am the senior one of the other um, non-existence ones. And it's kind of an unsurprising job for me if you, uh, if you would have known me when I was six years old and I took the briefcase that the Rummy Cube game came in and I emptied out those pesky tiles and I like put in a notebook and a pad and a pen and I told my imaginary secretary to hold my calls and cancel my afternoon. Um, I didn't have an imaginary friend. I had an imaginary secretary. Although these days he prefers the term assistant. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm called to be a pastor, but there's still like a tinge of destiny in like the regular job that I do because like clearly I was meant for this kind of work where uh, there's meetings and communication and processes and rules and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> So um, I'm kind of like the, like the uh, hall monitor for my team. But I'm also a people pleaser, and that puts me in conflict sometimes. Like hall monitors are really good at their job when they're very disagreeable, um, and I'm not a super disagreeable person, so I find myself torn. And early on, when I, like in my career, in my career, when I was just like working jobs and wondering if I'd ever have a career, um, when I was the assistant, like being helpful and getting answers fast was like the thing that I wanted to be known for. I spent a lot of energy trying to be like really like, I've got the answer right away, I've got it. But now the kinds of questions that come to me in my day-to-day -day work are maybe a little bit more complicated or complex and I don't have an answer right away. And so being able to say, let me get into it, which is the thing that I learned from West Wing, um, that, that political TV show from like probably too long ago, so you're figuring out how old I am. Um, let's, let me get into it and then I'll get back to you. It's like a really helpful, people-pleasy way of saying, I don't know yet, um, but I have to go and like read things and think about things and examine things and figure it out, and then I'll come back with an answer later. So I'm still pleasing, I'm still people-pleasing, I'm still you like me and I'm helpful at my job, but I don't actually have an answer for you right now. I have to get into it. So I feel like God is saying like, let's, let's get into it. I think he has something, he wants to get into it with us this morning. Like let's unpack all of our feelings about our moms or being a mom and Mother's Day and parents and kids. Um, let's discover what is true and what is right and what is lovely. And there's a lot of lovely things about Mother's Day. Um, but sometimes we have to get into it to find those things because maybe on the surface there's like the first thing that we come to is some pain. It's a risky thing to get into it with God because he is the way and the truth and the life and his love for us is unrelenting. And as such, I think he has very little tolerance for the lies that we've been told 
and the lies that we tell ourselves. So let's look at a passage that may not seem very Mother's Day-y at first, um, but I promise I'll, I'll pull it back at the end, or at least I'll try to. So this is Luke chapter 18, um, it's verses 18 to 30. And you'll see it on the screen. If you have a Bible, you can turn to it, or you can just close your eyes and soak it in because the Word of God is so good. Um, this is what the Gospel of Luke says. A certain ruler asked him, Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. I think this guy might be a people pleaser to you. Good teacher. Like, <laughs> Jesus like, no, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked, away, uh, looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard him asked this, who then can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left all that we have to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Jesus, thank you for your life where you walked around like on the earth with other people and talked to them and taught them and bless them. Thank you that you've preserved all of that for us today and that you can speak to us across thousands of years with practical advice and uh, direction and guidance for our lives. Lord, I ask that you'd span that distance this morning, that you'd really help us to connect with you through this passage or through the other things we talk about, my little metaphors and analogies or through like our wandering mind, <laughs> if, uh, if that's what's happening this morning. God, the important thing is that we're here to be close to you. And we, we came together today to get into it with you. Would, you. would you just carry us through this time and change us this morning? Would you reveal more of yourself to us that we could walk away knowing how loved we are and inspired to, um, to follow you with faithfulness? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So such an interesting passage. Um, I, I love that Peter is the one who jumps in and says, well, we have left everything to follow you. I feel like Peter is that friend, right? He's like the one that says, or like I think Peter probably would say about himself, well, I'm just saying what everybody's already thinking. And then maybe some of his friends are like, dude, nobody was thinking that. Like, you need to chill. Sometimes I've been that friend where it's just like, weren't we all thinking that, guys? Like, that awkward thing I just said, but like, we were all thinking it. And like, no, no, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's just like my own selfish heart is revealed. Peter doesn't totally seem to be taking in the tragedy of what's happened with this guy who's decided not to follow Jesus because he can't bear to be parted with his wealth. Instead, Jesus, or Peter's kind of like, well, we left everything, right? Like, we did the right thing. So, you know, 
hard for them because we're in, right? Like we're locked, like, right? <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, and Jesus responds in such a kind of way. I think that Peter, um, for all of his rough edges, I think Jesus is responding to his authenticity and really saying, you know, anyone who's given up for me is going to be made whole and is going to be completely restored. Um, I was talking to Josh about this passage this morning, actually, and he said, you know, like just contrasting that with like when Peter was called, it's like this huge catch of fish and like really his career just got made, but he just like walks away from it, you know? And so I think like having this passage to contrast that of like, you know, there wasn't something like Jesus, he's God, but like free will is still definitely a part of this equation, right? Like people can still make the choice to say no. They can still make the choice to walk away. Instead, Peter took the risk. All of the disciples took that risk to just let it all go and follow Jesus and do what he called them to do. We talk a lot about risk at the vineyard. Um, John Wimber founded the vineyard back in the 70s. Um, if you don't know a lot about the here's my favorite thing about the vineyard is John Wimber was actually one of the original Righteous Brothers, like the band. Like he had lots of um, like platinum records and stuff. Like he's like a rock star. And then like went out into the desert and prayed because like that's what people did. And then like God met him there and he walked away from that. I, I think there was actually one point where like he took a lot of his like awards, like music awards, and like dropped them off at like a landfill and was just like, this is trash and I'm moving on which I'd love to think that I could do the same thing. But you guys, if I was like a rock star, like, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to check with my imaginary assistant to see what we might need to do about that. Because it's like, it's kind of a big deal. So I love that John Wimber, he walked away from that life and, um, and really gave it all over to Jesus. And one of the things that John Wimber would always say is he said, we spell faith R-I-S-K. If you've been around this church for all, you've heard that, especially um, my husband who... I would not describe as a hall monitor and is not a business process specialist and has a very different personality than mine. I think he really loves that, you know, like risk. Yeah, faith is risk and it's cool to risk and let's get out there and risk, which I really love. But um, about him, I don't find it in myself, but I love that about him. Um, I'm like, let's put on our seatbelt. Well, he, of course, he like says, well, let's wear seatbelts. I'm like, let's not build like, let's not hang this tree, this swing so high from this tree because it's kind of risky. And Josh is like, you're right, we should put it on the branch above that tree. Let's cut off the medium branch and go really high. Um, and that's like, that's our whole marriage in a nutshell right there. Like, now you know us um, and all of our secrets. So, um, but sometimes I worry that like our penchant for risk can get a little bit twisted. You know, like sometimes it can turn into like, maybe like a celebrity thing or like a, a, a competitive thing or even like a status thing, you know, like be cool and take a risk, which like I do think it's cool to take a risk, but like if we're taking risks for coolness or for status and not taking risks for Jesus, then we're like right back to where we started, just lost and broken and in need of God's help. Taking a risk to pray for somebody, especially to pray somebody for physical healing or for the kind of a request that, like, you'll be able to tell right away if it worked or not, like, if it was effective or not, it's a humbling experience. When we pray for someone to be healed, we're really kind of, like, putting our reputation on the line, right? Like, our decision to follow Jesus and the trust that we put in God. If I say, can I pray for you right now, and I pray for you to be healed, and you're not healed, there's kind of this moment of, like, was I wrong about everything? And maybe I'm not even asking, like, was I wrong about everything, because I feel still, like, my faith and stuff, but, like, what if this person thinks that I was wrong about everything? You know, like, do I need to, like, make excuses for God? Do I need to make excuses for myself? Like, what do I do? And so I think, like, this commitment to follow Jesus, like, 
our world just doesn't play nice <laughs> with the dependence that God calls us to, you know? In this country, we literally celebrate Independence Day, the opposite of dependence. And maybe you've heard some of our national values like self-sufficiency or, or our cultural values, you know, like grow up, you know, or I don't need handouts, or take responsibility, personal responsibility. I had an algebra teacher in the eighth grade that every day on the first year of school, you'd walk into his room, and he had signs that said personal responsibility, like all over the walls and on some of the desks, like hanging from the fan. and Like you're just like everything, personal responsibility, you know, which I guess like you need that if you're going to learn algebra, but it, ooh, it was a, it was, well, the message clearly got through. Like I took it very seriously. So when we mix that in, this like self-sufficiency, American, rugged, macho thing, with take a risk, in this vulnerable, humble way, um, like we can find ourselves um, maybe at, just like at odds. Like, <laughs> where, the, where, like, as a church, sometimes we ascribe status to people who we see as having like a healing ministry, but those people are really just being vulnerable and being humble, and God is working through them. The Vineyard has had kind of like an, an interesting, like, ups and downs with trying to hold these two things together of like, take the risk and pray for healing. Um, but let's not turn, like, let's not get, like, a celebrity culture status around this. And we've had a couple churches kind of, like, go a little bit too far one way or the other way and have to be corrected. Um, there's this really, um, a pastor that I really admire named Steve Nicholson, um, and he, I think he's retiring now, but um, pastor's in Chicago, and he was, like, um, became a pastor in the vineyard right at the start. So John Wimber was like there doing these conferences and John Wimber is really known for seeing a lot of miracles happen. So like people would come, like lots of people would come to like big church events, desperate, right? Like with back pain that hadn't been healed for decades or cancer, all kinds of problems. And we're like really like looking for something. And Steve Nicholson shared a story of like being there. He said he's like in his 20s and John Wimber, like, he's a very charismatic speaker, great message, and, and the worship is amazing, and they get to the end, which is ministry time, right? Like, we're all going to pray now, and we're going to, like, see the stuff. We're going to see God do stuff. And Steve Nicholson said it was, like, one of those things where, like, there I am, like, I'm on the stage, and I'm excited to be here, because, like, here's John Wimber, and he's, like, killed these people, and, like, maybe even getting a little famous. Like, there were some, like, articles and, like, magazines and stuff about him, like, what's going on? What's going to happen? And he said, and John Wimber, he's, like, all right, guys, ministry time, and and then he, like, turns around and walks to the back of the stage where Steve and, like, some other, like, young pastors are. And he's like, what do you guys think we should do? <laughs> it's, like, not the inspiring moment of, like, the faith healer is going to disciple us all and show us what he's like. What do you, what do you guys, what do you guys think is going on? And Steve Nicholson is like, well, um, maybe God heals some back pain, you know. And John Wimber says, that's great. Go up and tell him about it. I'm going to go back to the hotel. And so it's like this big conference. There's hundreds of people, and everybody's there to see John Wimber, and Steve Nicholson has to walk up to the microphone and, like, take a risk. And the guy who's, like, really good at this and know how it all, he's left the building, literally, has, like, at the most exciting moment, has walked away, and now you've got Steve and these other, like, young pastors in their 20s trying to, like, figure out, like, how do we do this stuff? You know, like, how, I don't know. How does that work? How do we see the Lord be sovereign and invite people into that. So then many, many, many years later, Steve Nicholson says he's like an old man now in this story, and there's another pastor who's praying for people, and also like some cool things are happening. Like people are seeing some really neat stuff. And a few like years go by, and they're at a conference, and like Steve sees the guy, and there's like a line of people all waiting for this one guy to pray for them. 
And Steve takes him aside and says, like, dude, what are you doing? And the guy's like, I've got the mantle of John Wimber. And Steve, the way he tells the story, he says, this isn't the mantle of John Wimber. John Wimber didn't get a line of people coming to get him. He left for the hotel. He gave this away to other people. Like, the risking isn't about getting status or about having celebrity. It's not about having a whole line of people coming and saying, oh, look, you're so connected to God. Look at all the things you can do. The risk is about being vulnerable and humble and asking faithfully whether it, it works or whether it doesn't. So the world defines success really differently than we do, right? And when the world starts interacting with the things that God is doing, oftentimes it kind of like wrenches it away and like wants to put it in this new category of like famous or powerful or wealthy. Um, maybe for some of us like kind of regular folks, success also can feel like just like comfort or safety or um, maybe a little influence or esteem or security. Like these are a lot of things that the world calls successful. In this passage, the wealth of the young man is like a marker of success in his culture and in ours, um, and has maybe even been interpreted as a mark of God's favor, but it's not that at all. It's the thing that's holding him back from the kind of success that God wants to give him, which is closeness to Jesus and obedience to God, regardless of whether that's going to result in accolades and praise from a lot of people, or just be like, uh, well, I mean, in Jesus' case, like he dies a criminal's death. On a, on a cross. Something that I often like to think about um, that I've learned from some of my awesome nerd friends who play tabletop board games is um, if you know you're going you know to lose, you can, you can invent a thing called alternative win conditions, which is my goal is no longer, okay, tell me if you've ever done this, my goal is no longer to win because I know that I can't. I just want to make sure that person doesn't win. Maybe that person is my spouse. <laughs> I just, okay, maybe I'm not winning, but Josh didn't win either. We're both going to <laughs> from this game. This is my new way to have fun because the, the success is out of my out of my hands. But I think about that a lot, that alternative win conditions, because it's like Jesus has these alternative win conditions, you know? Like the God, the kid, this guy comes up, he's like, I'm rich and I have followed every rule since I was born. And Jesus is like, cool. All right, now I'm going to ask you to do this completely different thing that no one is going to reward you for except for me. No one is going to see or celebrate except for me and the disciples. And a couple years from now, actually, you're probably going to be like on the run for your life like these other guys. You want to come? And, and the guy can't, can't say yes. And so it begs the question, was he following God as he followed all of these rules? Or was he just trying to like win the game that Jesus isn't playing at all? So what does this have to do with motherhood? <laughs> um, I promised I'd come back here. So when we talk about motherhood, there's a lot of things that the world says about moms. There's a lot of things our culture says about what moms should be doing. Um, my, the one I detest the most is like, be a mom, but be really sexy while you're doing it, right? Like, oh, this is exhausting. Like, I have little children. I'm running after them. It's humid today. I'm sweating. Like, no, <laughs> no, we're not doing any of that. We're not doing any of that. Like, take a perfect picture. Like, be a mom, but like, like, throw the perfect party. Like, be a mom, but also, you know, Jesus, like, love your kids and stuff, but also make sure to get them in perfectly matched outfits for the photo shoot. And if you have had photo shoots with your kids in perfectly matched outfits, then well done. Good for you. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm saying, like, sometimes we feel that pressure at times when it's not helpful to feel that pressure because maybe we're just a little bit sleep-deprived and, like, need some help and, like, a little bit less, like, requirements of what is it to be a good mom. Being a mom means taking risks, and those risks can take us to very not 
celebrity places to very not successful feeling places. The kinds of risks that moms take often result in weeping over a miscarriage or being alone in a bathroom with another negative pregnancy test or holding your wife while she holds another negative pregnancy test. Being a mom can mean stillbirth. Being a mom can mean um, you know, being surprised by um, the struggles that your kids have and not being able to protect them from that. Whether that's something they're born with genetically special needs or it's just like the regular, like they went to kindergarten and they, their friend decided to stop being their friend today. And there's nothing as a mom that we can do about it. Moms take risks every day. Anybody wanting to be a mom takes a risk. Foster moms talk about risky. I'm going to let this little one into my house and into my heart with the goal that their biological mom, who messed up huge, is going to get it together and take this little child away from me. And I don't know if I can trust her to do a good job. Like, I'm just here to steward this childhood as opposed to, like, you know, reign over this childhood and do all of the things, be free to do all of the things that moms are left to do. Love is a risk. Which means, and which means that being a part of a family is a risky ordeal. And there's not one of us that is going to go unhurt by our families because we're hurt the most by the people who love us. When it comes to Mother's Day, I think gifts are important. Um, I like the chocolates and I like the flowers. Um, I feel like a really wonderful Mother's Day present that I got this year, and I don't know if Netflix meant to do it, but it was the Stranger Things season four teaser trailer, Stranger Things. Anybody? Anybody? It's like basically a show about moms. I mean, kind of. Like, <laughs> there's these like little kids, like these like, like 11 and 10 and 11 year old boys and stuff, but like there's a mom <laughs> whose son gets abducted by a monster who lives, okay, this is season one spoiling, but like season four is about to come out, so like you gotta catch up, guys. Season one, <laughs> the mom whose son gets abducted by the scariest monster you have ever seen on television. Um, and he takes the kid, he chases the kid into the upside down. So the upside down is like this shadow of our world. All the buildings are the same, but like everything is really dilapidated. And it's dark there, it's like always nighttime, the sun never shines. And this monster can go back and forth between this like super creepy place and then like our world, and he like, I don't know, zaps into our world and like kills someone and grabs them and takes them back to the other world and eats them. And it's very, very scary because mostly you don't know that that's what's going on for like many, many episodes and it's terrifying. Um, and our guy, who's upside down right now, Will, he like gets chased by the monster and he goes into the upside down, but then he gets away from the monster, but then he's trying to get back and it's, he has a really hard time like trying to connect and like let people know like, I'm actually still alive and please rescue me. I'm in this really scary place. So he's trapped there, and nobody is there but him and the monster and, like, the remains of the monster's victim. So super, super creepy. Very Mother's Day-y, I'd say, right? Like, doesn't that just make you think about, like, let me celebrate my mom? So his mom is trying to find him. And um, the, the teaser for the new season is here, and I have watched it, like, more than ten times. And then I've watched all the YouTubes about, like, what are all the clues about what might happen in season four because I'm a little bit, I'm over the top about this show. Um, so, but the kingdom of God has also been described as upside down. Right? Like, it's a place where the first shall be last and the last shall be first. It's a place where the Son of God comes not to serve, or not to be served, but to serve. And as I get older, though, 
And I become more sensitive to the fact that this holiday, which should just be like happy flowers and breakfast in bed for your mom, is kind of tainted for those of us with hurts. And I find myself asking, like, maybe it's more like we're the ones who are living in the upside down. Because aren't we the ones that are currently experiencing a life where things are disoriented? Corrupt leaders get rewarded and injustice just drags on and on for so long that some people start to say it didn't ever exist in the first place. And um, words get redefined and redefined until their meaning is totally lost and our ability to communicate with each other is lost along with it. Aren't we the ones that are living in, a, in a, the world like a shadow of the world as it was meant to be? A shadow of the world that is going to come again. To be successful in the upside down isn't to be successful at all. To seek safety in the upside down is actually dangerous. To protect our hearts from being broken in this heartbreaking world will actually leave us damaged and sick. And Jesus calls us to lead risky lives here, and not celebrity risky lives, not I'm famous and there's a line of people waiting to talk to me lives, but like my kid might break his leg and I have to drop everything and we go to the hospital right now. Or, you know, my kid got sick and we have to check into the ER and they're like asthma, allergies. I'm like, I, okay, I'm not going to list all my anxieties about my children. But, um, but Jesus calls us to cast aside the, the A pluses and the gold stars and the money and the comforts that are offered by the upside down. And when our hearts break, as they should and must, and during our experience here, Jesus is the one who will heal us. Jesus is the one who makes us strong. He's our comforter. He's the one who will restore us. He is our champion. And he is our success. So I think the important question for Mother's Day this year is what are the risks that God is calling us to? What are like mom kind of risks that he's calling us to? The quiet risks, the working risks, the giving risks that maybe go unseen by all but the, just the, the smallest and, and most important people in our lives. I'll be honest, I think it'd be more palatable if I said, what risks is Jesus inviting us into? And, and let's be clear, Jesus definitely gives an invitation. He offers that, like, come to me, my burden is light. So I'm not saying that he doesn't, but there is a nuance here that I don't want to miss. Jesus' invitation is not trivial. It's not like part of a balanced breakfast. It's not just icing on the cake of, of, of a normal middle-class life. It's an invitation into something that might be uncomfortable or might be painful something that might fall short of the promises that Instagram has given me about what my aspirational Photoshop life should look like. And that feeling of having less is not because Jesus wants less for us. It's because we live in the upside down where less is more, where whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. So let's just look at that passage from Luke 9. This is like nine, verse, nine chapters earlier in Luke. Jesus is talking to the disciples and he says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Boy, if that is not a verse for moms. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. So what risks is Jesus calling us to? What commitments does he want us to make that we're feeling unsure about? What are the areas in our lives where we're holding back, maybe holding out for like a guarantee of success? If I know this will go well, then I'll do it. But it's kind of murky right now, so I'm not sure I really want to be all in. Um, volunteering for church is one of these kinds of risks. 
<laughs> like I was just, I've been so just impressed and like my heart has just been so full of people here saying like, I'll commit and I'll serve. And we said like, tell us when you can and we'll try to work it all out. And so many people have said like, ah, I'm just kidding. I'm just, it's fine. <laughs> we'll work it out. It's no problem. When like, you don't know what's coming. You might have a cold dad. You might have a headache that you might just not feel like making coffee that day, or the kids upstairs might be really frustrating that day, <laughs> and just everybody, I'm just like, I just, it's so heartwarming to be a part of a community where we kind of say like, all right guys, we're coming back, and we need, we kind of need like all hands on board, and like every hand has said yes, like I'll help. That kind of commitment is such a beautiful thing. Committing to children that you haven't met yet because like you just conceived them, or you are hoping to conceive them, like that's a big deal. You don't know what they're going to turn out like, They'll probably be wonderful and, and beautiful and fabulous. Right, moms? That's, our children are only always that. It was never a bad day. <laughs> my sarcasm. I do love my kids. Sometimes they're tough. <laughs> Sometimes that commitment looks like staying close in a relationship with a friend or a loved one who's walked away from faith, and that can be really hard. Sometimes it's staying close in a relationship or developing a relationship with a person who's on the other side of a political line that's been drawn for us lately that's like really wide and really thick and really contentious. And finding a way to be and belong with and befriend and love people who think very differently than we do, like that's a Jesus kind of a risk. That's a huge like way to follow Jesus, to say, my ego might get bruised in this, but I'm going to connect with this person and be here with them. I'm going to do life with them. And I'm going to subject my ego to that beating on a regular basis. Sometimes the risk looks like just like not saying like the snarky thing that immediately comes to mind when somebody does something or says something that's offensive to you. I think there are a lot of ways that we are tempted to stop our hearts from breaking. But I think Jesus is calling us to bring our broken hearts to him. So would you stand we're going to have ministry time right now, which means um, April's going to come up and play another song for us. And you can sing and just receive from the Lord if you would like to get prayer. And honestly, like, please come and get prayer. Like, if anything struck you during the sermon, stuff with your mom, stuff with wanting to be a mom, stuff as a mom, or other stuff like work stuff or culture stuff, politics stuff, social media stuff, whatever is breaking our hearts, like, this is what God wants to get into with us this morning. And he wants to take these things out and examine these feelings and help us see what are the things that are true and what are the things that are lies that we can just throw away and we don't have to be influenced by anymore. I think God just has a lot of work he wants to do with us this morning and we can really walk away changed. So during ministry time, you can just come up front and stand or kind of in the front on the sides. Somebody who's been trained to be not weirder than Jesus, although sometimes he's a little bit weird, will come. They'll, they'll ask to put your hand on your shoulder, and if you're not comfortable with that, please do say no. Like, you know, um, lots of us are vaccinated, but I know everybody hasn't had a chance yet. And, um, and then they'll just, like, go to God on your behalf. I love ministry time at the Vineyard because you kind of don't have to do anything. Like, you come up and stand, and you can be real vague even if you want about the problem. Like, I don't feel good. And the other person will just do all of the work and will take you before the Father and pray for you. And so that's what we're going to do here in our last song. Um, and then we'll dismiss kind of at the end of that. So let's all sing together. Mm -hmm.